Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We are the Who Dat Jedi Council. Dave, Fredo, and Aaron. This is episode 124, guys. How are we doing? Good, good. Uh, yeah, how don't, are you? Don't everybody jump at once. <laughs> Do I, um, no, no, doing good, doing good. Um, so... I have to tell you guys, um, this past weekend, uh, did one of the nerdiest things I think I've ever done. And that was, I got together with a bunch of guys that I'm in the, uh, 501st with and played Sabacc, played Sabacc for the first time. And I was deathly afraid. I, I never played before. And when I got there and he starts doling out all these, you know, Imperial credits and everything, I'm like, oh crap, we better not be playing for money. Because a, I don't like. I'm not good at poker. I don't. I, I don't know how to bet. I had to learn how to bet because I'm just an idiot that way. But I was like, I don't like. I don't even like. You know, when I get a lottery ticket and I, you know, lose a dollar, it just drives me crazy. But anyway, we didn't play for money. But I learned how to play sabak, and it was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, and. Uh, it's if, if the the whole goal of it is you have you have still have four different suits but it like who gives a crud what suit it is they said don't pay attention to the suit um the red cards are negative numbers and the green cards are positive numbers and the goal is to get the goal is to get as close to zero as you can oh so, so it's a lot like Baccarat. sure or you know there's another game yeah but watch the old James Bond movies. Those are the ones that uh, and I, have that game in there. And I finally found it. I told you guys about the rules one time where it's like that part makes sense. But then all of a sudden it's like you have three rounds that you go through where you you can decide to stand. You can bet and you can decide to stand or draw a card and whatever. Uh, always trying to get to zero. But then the dealer rolls dice. And the dice have different symbols on them. And if the symbols match, then everybody has to throw their cards into the pile and get two new cards or however many cards they had. So if you had like three, you'd have to get three new cards. So you may be sitting on a great hand and get totally hosed. Um, so that's kind of fun. And then there's, you know, if everybody gets, if like three of us got um, Sabak, which is zero, then there are ways to figure out who has the winning hand. Um, so it was, it's far easier to figure out the still the most complex thing for me was the betting. <laughs> so, um, but no, it was fun. So, uh, we'll have to play sometime cause I bought my own Sabak cards, uh, at, uh, galaxy's edge. So, um, yeah. Yeah. For a while there, they were the hottest thing. They couldn't keep them in stock cause they were really, you know, at galaxy's edge, they were like the most affordable souvenir to get. So people were getting the cards and the dies. And you know you couldn't find them for a while. So anyway, no, it was uh, either one of you played before. Nope, nope. All right, well you're gonna try sometime. So we'll we'll and I don't know that it might be a really boring podcast, but it might be kind of fun to record <laughs> part of it of us trying to figure out what's going on. Um, but nobody uh, bet the nobody bet the ship. Actually, somebody did because one of the guys had actually the deed for the Millennium Falcon. Um, so he threw it in the, he threw it in the pot, but actually the funny part was, is one of our guy, one of our friends, he brought his 13 year old kid and he was playing with us and he beat all of us. 
this kid was bluffing beyond all belief and was betting like the house every single time and just totally destroyed all these middle-aged guys. Um, so See, you, you almost got to treat sometimes in Vegas, the guy who wins bets is, you know, wins the most is the most aggressive. You know, that's why, you know, cause most adults go in there going like, okay, I got to stop at some point and that's good. It's not me. But the big winners don't want to go, the heck with it. I would, <laughs> no, I would go in if I if I ever go into a casino, it's usually with a set number of dollars, and then I go and I play nickel slots so it lasts longer. Um, so that's that's my gambling. Anyway, um, so tonight's episode, we are actually not going to be talking Star Wars, so we're not going to do any Star Wars trivia, and it's going to be a little shorter episode because it's uh, you know life. Um, but we're going to be talking Marvel um, because big things happen. We all saw the new Thor movie. Um, so Thor love and thunder and this past weekend, we didn't go together. So this is the first time three of us are all talking about it. Um, and then Dave finally saw Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness. And so we're going to kind of just, we're going to talk about that. And, um, and, uh, we're, so it'll be a Marvel episode. Um, but before we get into news, anything for the good of the order? I saw somebody uh, floated the idea of a video podcast. Um, so who knows what might lie in, you know, in our future. Have to, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll have, have to, to talk have about to do my that. hair. Um, <laughs> I know, right? I have to brush my teeth and, you know, trim my beard, maybe. But uh, we, we got places for radio. Yeah, that's true. Um but actually, that's kind of funny. The the um, Saints Happy Hour podcast is having a live podcast on the sixteenth of September, and uh, I think we should all go and wear our Hoot at Jedi podcast T shirts, and then suggest a uh, a joint podcast at some point. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like like do one of those like WWE style takeovers, right? Where yep. the other faction runs into the ring with chairs and that's right. Them. That's right. Uh, no, Kevin will get that reference. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll do that. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's dive into some news. Um, Emmy nominations came out today, huh, yep. Fredo? Yep. Primetime Emmy nominations for this year were announced. So, uh, a couple of Star Wars related shows uh, made, got a few nominations. So, uh, the big one was kind of the Book of Boba Fett, which got four Emmy nominations. I just saw uh, that before we, we got on. What, what did they get nominated for? Uh, outstanding Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes, Sound Editing, Visual Effects, and Stunt Coordination. So for all the guys who were complaining about the, the guys twirling and spinning and shooting, that got an Emmy nomination. Congratulations. So it's mostly behind the scenes, uh, technical and uh, uh, design uh uh, Emmy nominations, but still, I mean, it, a lot of people were complaining about some of that stuff, and yet here's the Academy saying, "No, no, we think it's good." So these are these are awards for shows that were in 2021, correct? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's the catch. So stuff like Obi Wan Kenobi, too late, wouldn't qualify. Uh, the, just to kind of tell you some of the shows that were also nominated alongside me, we're talking stuff like Loki. We're talking like, uh, hold on a sec. Uh, yep. Uh, like Loki, Moon Knight, Picard, What We Do in the Shadows, The Witcher. So all the stuff that came out over the last year 
Uh, I believe the cutoff point may be something like like uh, um, March or April. Actually, I think it's April, where they they have like a no, if you didn't come up by the April thirtieth or May first, right. you go to the next year. So Obi Wan Kenobi will be in next year's nomination. Well, the little girl who and played Leia also, better win. That's all I say. And then they also nominated Star Wars Visions for short form animated best uh, short form animated program. So. I think it's in there with the likes of, hold on a sec. Yeah, it's in the like with uh, Death and Robots, When Billy Met Lisa, Robot Chicken, weirdly enough. And uh, the the Boys presents Diabolical, which is kind of an animated spinoff of their TV show, The Boys. So, again, five nominations, which isn't bad. And uh, I, th- I think it just speaks to how a lot of these streaming services, they're taking over. I mean, it's HBO Max. Netflix, Disney Plus, Prime Video, you know, it's where all the money's going to, so that's where all the nominations are. Cool, cool. Um, and then the other bit, of it, go ahead. No, you're 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 good. Um, yeah, no, I was thinking I, that there was something I was going to add to that, but I'm not. So never mind. We're good. And then the other thing I was going to mention right quick before we get into all the Marvel stuff is uh, Haslab, which is. Uh, one of the um, Hasbro's design, uh, designer teams, they're putting out the, the call because they're looking to bring Riva's double-bladed lightsaber to into our galaxy, is what Star Wars says. Uh, so they're looking to design with the Haslab exclusive Star Wars, the Black Series, Riva Force FX lightsaber. It's a crowdfunding, crowdfunding excuse me, program by Hasbro Plus that makes fans, dreams, projects a reality, like the vintage collection racer crest and a four foot long version of the sail barge. Yeah, that's so. right over there. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I have a problem with this lightsaber because I saw something on it and you know how mm-hmm. the, the um, inquisitors lightsabers, they're a circle, but then they'll go to a half moon, you know? Yep. So, cause you saw her every now and again, carrying. It. you can do that with this lightsaber, but you have to take the half off and put it off to the side. It's like, come on. If you're going to do a crowdfunding thing, you put a switch on that mother that makes that one side just go, tunk, you know, into a half moon. And then I've got, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, mm-hmm. go look, go a little further here, guys. So anyway. At least ain't big, ain't big. If you fall short, okay, but ain't big. Well, I mean, it's like getting a convertible that you have to like literally take the top off and go put it in your driveway so you can drive with your convertible. Makes no sense. Nobody wants a convertible like that. So, anyway. And that's it for news for Nerd today. problems. Ooh. Nerd problems. I don't know. Um, so, anyway, cool. All right. Well, short on news, but Thor Love and Thunder. Um, so, I suppose I'm just going to I'm just going to start and throw controversy right out. It won't be controversial because you know if you've listened to this podcast before, you know how I felt about Thor Ragnarok. Um, and that's not that I disliked Thor Ragnarok it just was not my favorite Thor movie um, I was not affected by the tweet that I saw that said this is the best Thor movie ever because we went in still look forward to seeing it yeah I think what I've, what I've decided is that I'm not wild about Taika's take on the character and it's because it is so and okay so this past weekend it was like marvel 
and Thor stuff all over TNT. There is such a distinct difference between the Thor in all the other movies and the Thor in Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder that it's almost like the, the Taika Waititi movies, it's almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch. That's the way it feels, is that it's so irreverent, it's so making fun of itself, it's so kind of loosey-goosey. Contrast that with the, the, with the other Thor, well, any time else you see Thor, that's kind of a type A personality. And it's just, it's just disjointed. And so I think that if it was kind of set up um, with a, like if there was a little bit of irreverence in the other movies so that you just take it to the next level, then I don't think it would be as jarring. But when we saw Thor Ragnarok, that was a jarring thing. And it finally came down to it that it's like, okay, it feels to me like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Um, so that was my aesthetic take on it. Um, and, and, and by the way, it wasn't just with Thor with me. It was also, you know, the interaction between Jane and Valkyrie. They had some moments like when they're talking about the, you know, and she's like, Do you, what is that? A hand grenade? And it's like, no, it's a speaker. And they just have this like 10 second like thing where it's like, okay, why? You know, but we don't get any of their relationship development or friendship development, or we don't get any really development from Valkyrie at all. She's just kind of there for uh, it. It seemed just off to me. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I wasn't over the moon of it. So those are my initial thoughts. So you can take me to town if you want to, whoever wants to go first. Dave, you want to do that? Uh, no, I mean, we won't take anyone to town here because uh, everybody's uh, opinion uh, matters. But, uh, you know, the movie that it really reminded me of, like, almost right away was Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is kind of like a looser, less tightly constructed, less <laughs> less humorous. You know, some of the jokes fall a little bit flatter or a little bit older um a version of what i really enjoyed the first time around so it's like you go back to the well and then you it just it just doesn't work as well as it did the first time and so um that was kind of my overall feeling or impression about the movie but then by the same token the reason that i make the compare the big reason i make the comparison is that guardians of the galaxy 2 has a lot of heart um, and it tells a, a, a story to, that to me personally is uh, resonating and, and, and affecting. And, um, you know, if you've got any sort of daddy issues at all, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is going to, you know, get to you a little bit. Um, similar thing here. Um, I have been in love. Uh, I have been in love with a woman who has uh, battled cancer. Um so on a very personal level <laughs> also i have been i have been a father um so on a very personal level this movie got to me uh and uh but i can also recognize that like yeah it's not quite as tight or as funny as as uh, as ragnarok was yeah i think i'm gonna go kind of i'm not gonna go on there off Aaron, because he's not wrong 
I think kind of what I realized is that Taika Waititi is similar in nature to Lin Man- Lin-Manuel Miranda, where if you like what he does, you love it, you appreciate it, you, you fall in love into everything. But if, you, but if it doesn't hook you, you know, you're going to notice every one of the similarities that his projects carry. Because uh, if you've ever seen stuff, whether it's this or what we do in The Shadows or uh, Thor Ragnarok, I felt like that Love and Thunder was a very good film. Fine film, a lot of fun, colorful, which I always love it when, when comic book movies actually decide to actually be colorful and, and actually not just give us the grim dark. You know, I appreciate that. But I also think I didn't find it to be as impactful as Ragnarok was. Maybe that's just the nature of Taika doing the same trick again. Uh, I think the story elements were interesting. Uh, I do think at some point I am going to ask Marvel, all Marvel creators, at some point to get me to a point where Thor is comfortable with who he is. Because this is now the fourth and or fifth movie where he's looking for himself. Trying to redefine himself because he's to, written you know, differently he's, all the time. Sorry, so yeah, yeah I'm with you. No, so no, keep keep going. Sorry, but, but that, no, but that's kind of my point. It's that you know, it, from the very first movie, okay, he was, he, you know, he thought he was the alpha bro Chad dude that oh, I'm just naturally bestowed with my throne and my title, and no, he had to go find himself. And the second one, he had to go find himself. And then Ragnarok, hey, his dad's gone. Here's his sister. He loses his hammer. He has to go find himself. And same thing happened in Endgame after he loses uh, to uh, Thanos, and here we are again. And so, don't get me wrong, I, I love the movie, I love the characterizations. We're going to get into a bit more detail because we got to talk about Christian Bale. We have to. But but overall, I thought it was a good movie, just not as, didn't hit the high marks as much as Ragnarok did for me. I think this is more like a standing room double, whereas I think Ragnarok was, more, was a home run. So I want to I want to get to what what Dave was talking about, and I want to ask a question because I think because Brittany and I again with all the Marvel stuff that was on this weekend, we were talking about this um, because you mentioned some very some things that were tugging at your heart on a personal level. You know, talking about mm-hmm. you know, like you said, cancer. Talking about you know you know how Christian Bale's character uh, Gore Gore, Gore. Yeah, you know losing losing his daughter. Um, and so all those heavy things, Taika Waititi never used comedy to relieve you from that. And I, I'll throw this. It's like in the Avengers, the Avengers, after the Battle of New York and after all this stuff that's been happening, all this heavy stuff. And you got Thor and Hulk standing there and Hulk punches Thor and sends him flying off screen that's a good use of comedy after all this heaviness it's like ha, it makes you laugh you know so it's like i never felt like there was a moment where you know if jane's in the hospital or you know um or at any point that we used comedy to relieve that tension it was just seemed like comedy for comedy's sake and I, so I, I'll, I'll throw that, I guess, to Dave, because you're the one who's most personally impacted by this movie. Do you, did you feel that at all? I mean, did you feel like they, or maybe he could have used comedy a little bit to relieve some of that? Yeah, it's an interesting observation, but it's not anything that I um, was aware of on first viewing, but I'll probably pay more attention to it um, on subsequent viewings. I, uh, I mean, 
to me the the emotional beats were handled uh very carefully and adeptly because if if anything you probably erred on the side of not turning to humor in those moments so that he wouldn't undercut the those those scenes and then the, those emotional beats that he was trying to hit um that would be my guess um because like again for somebody who's been through some of this stuff um i was like oh gosh <laughs> and it was even more so that way for kate you know sitting here it's like okay we're dealing with cancer in this movie okay i guess that's been our lives for a year plus now um you know but again it's if you have whether you go through those sorts of turmoils or not i think the subject matter is somewhat relatable yeah um because it's an easy concept to like wrap your arms around it's like oh gosh this person is in trouble and he's going to have to deal with that but again to fredo's point you know they just keep throwing things at this guy um like let's hit him in the balls again with another uh, medicine ball because it's like it's like why not you know let's see if he can handle this um it just keeps it just keeps coming and coming for, for this guy and um but it's, to your point has he grown i mean he's obviously yeah. changed quite a bit he's obviously been through so much trauma and you've seen him have to wrestle with those things on screen and sometimes at, at moments he's more successful than he is at others um but what does he know about himself at this point? Right now, he's thrown him at the. When we leave the movie, he's thrown himself into dad mode, which cool. Is that gonna stick? I have a feeling that it that it may not. I also, uh, before I toss it to Fredo, I also had a problem because you mentioned the Guardians of the Galaxy earlier, and let's 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 call it. I mean, the only reason that the Guardians of the Galaxy was in this movie was because he was in their ship at the end of Endgame. That's the only reason. And I even felt like they were dialing it in. It, it, it was almost like, you know, it, it almost felt like they're on screen going, why are we here? You know, I mean, that's the way their performances came off because it was kind of like, so, you know, there, there are just some things. And I, I again, I'll toss it to Fredo here, but that those, these are the things that make me... a little worried about Taika Waititi doing a Star Wars movie because is there a place for comedy absolutely there's you know there's is there you know again is there but I, but it's just it seems like a Saturday Night Live sketch and that's not way I I it it just when it becomes like I said a parody of itself which is the way I feel the Thor, the these last two Thor movies have kind of been um that worries me that are we going to get a lot of inside baseball Star Wars jokes to make fun of all the people who take it far too seriously? And that's neither here nor there. That can be tangent. I don't know. Fredo, what 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 are you what are your thoughts? Yeah, actually well what I found interesting is because that's one of the big criticisms that people have levied at Marvel and movies in general is the fact that they are quick to undercut the seriousness, the drama with a quick joke. It's like Hey, you know, we're talking about some serious, uh, something momentous, and here comes the gag, or here comes the punchline, or here comes a character like Rocket or Korg, undercutting the tension by making a silly, pithy, snarky comment. 
And uh, I did appreciate that in particularly the big emotional beats, they didn't do that. I mean, they did have jokes and they have moments where, okay, there's some silliness. And again, you're right. That, that's what I mean when I say compare Taika Waititi to Lin-Manuel Miranda, meaning that's part of his repertoire. That's part of the recipe book that he's cooking with. And I'm not saying you should be concerned about him with Star Wars, because I think if it's self-contained, if it's just one movie, if it's self-contained story, yeah, he could probably nail it. I, I would worry about the longevity because that's when you're more likely to you know, branch off and just make the wacky Caddyshack version of Star Wars that you don't want. Well, again, Although, I don't know. Maybe do. And again, the, the, the comedy, I, I, it is. It's a tension and release. It's like when I would create set lists you know, you sing a really serious song about, you know, the Easter uprising in, you know, or, you know, the, or famine in Ireland. And then you follow it up with one of the fun beer drinking songs, because after people just got weighed down with all this stuff, you throw in a little irreverence, you know, to, because you're, you're always as a performer, you're manipulating emotions. And you don't want to keep people too low for too long. You don't want to keep them, you know, don't want to feed them candy the whole time either. And and I guess I, uh, this is the last time I'll say it. I just didn't feel like there was a, that he was using the candy to counteract the, all the starches. I don't know. Anyway. It could just uh, be a function of the edit a little bit too. Um because like for me that was one of the things that sort of jumped out at me it's like maybe this scene ran a little long this other scene didn't run long enough um some of the plotting was a little awkward it's just like there were little nitpicky things um that sort of to use your phrase took you out of the movie you know like you noticed that they were noticeable right it was like now i'm thinking about this thing instead of thinking about the movie yeah um and so i mean yeah it's not marvel's best work am i worried about him being in star wars no because for the exact reason fredo outlined he's not doing episode uh 12 or whatever um it's 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 going to be fine um uh if as a one-off so let's be let's go wacky let's get silly let's do things we haven't seen before and then i'm all in on that um what i i guess if if i have any concern it's that uh fredo's um metaphor of uh he him having the recipe book out in front of it's like are we are we gonna only do things that we've already seen in his other movies and then then that that becomes less about freshness and something new for star Wars and something formulaic. that oh, I, yeah. I've already seen this before. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like, that, it, it, it's a feeling like you're copying Marvel and, you know, putting that on, you know, with a star Wars skin. Uh, I did want to mention that before we move off, I'll mention one credit that we'll give Taika is that he continues to be an excellent director of art actors. Like Christian Bale is oh. knocked in and nailed as Gore the God Butcher, like and, whether it's at the start when he's suffering. And I didn't the, think the, we got enough of him. We probably could have used more of him. But, you know, the way that he just, you know, because you understand, you connect with him and 
his journey is as important as Jane's or as Thor's. And, it, you know, it's, you know, this is, you know, remember when the problem of Marvel was they didn't have good villains? Like, this is a great villain because you totally connect with where he's coming from. You totally get what he's about. And he's just having a blast. I would also suggest, too, that um, Natalie Portman mm-hmm. uh, did a really, really good job in this movie as well. I thought I thought she was great. Um, Hemsworth always crushes it. I, he understands this character better than most, I think. And I know that he's had to deal with different tones and different direction, but um, the two of them are great to see. Yeah, Dave, compare uh, this Natalie performance versus the one she gave in The Dark World, which wasn't bad, but you you can see that this one, just she's connecting with it on a different level. She's more appreciative. She's getting more to do, and it's actually, she's okay with it. And, yeah, it's more to do than, oh, I got possessed by some red matter or something, and then now I'm hurt. Getting, Sorry, I'm going I'm 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 to be the fly in the ointment. And say, here's my criticism of that is that, <clears throat> okay, and, you know, Brittany was talking about she, you know, she's read the uh, <clears throat> um, Mighty Thor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And she's, you know, so she knew that, you know, Jane was going to have cancer and stuff like this. And, but it's like, do we have, I mean, do we have to spend all of that in just one movie? If, if we have the thoughts of maybe doing a Thor 5, you know, could we keep the mighty Thor going at least? For, because it, it seems to be Marvel's thing. It's like where we get a good female character and then we just kind of pitch it aside. Well, again, that's the function of Hollywood and the system that they're in. It's like, okay, we're going to do a movie. So we're going to sign you up for this movie. We may sign you up for another movie, but if we don't have to, because you're not one of our main characters, then we're not gonna. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with their gender necessarily, but you know, it, that's, that's what they were dealing with. They had her locked in for this movie. So, and they had this story lined up and so that's what they did. And would I liked to have, got maybe a hint of this earlier i think so um, and i think i would say i would agree with you but i also think you know taika went back to natalie who didn't want to come back for ragnarok and got her to come back for this one so it makes me wonder if maybe this was her way to exit the role or you know in a better manner than just hey you know we heard jane dumped you as a passing line in front of something else going on you know, I think this is a much better send-off for the character. If if she's choosing to just say, I want to come back, do right by the character, okay, the, the post-credit scene tells you stuff. So it's a, it's a good way. So if she wants to leave it at that, it's great. If they find out, I mean, this is Marvel. There's ways to bring people back if needs be. So This might be a decent jumping-off point for uh, Doctor Strange, but it just, you know, it occurs to me that you watch these movies and they all tie in with each other, and you have all these like uh, cameos and crossovers, and and oh look, there's so and so, that it's sort of jarring when that doesn't happen, like like Fredo's example in Ragnarok, where she's like she didn't show up, they just that one line, oh she, I heard she dumped you, you know, and it's like, well yeah, you didn't, you weren't able to get the actress, that's why that line is there, and it's like. 
yeah, it's just it, it's they're kind of they're almost like a victim of their own success in a way because you come to expect certain things to occur and then if it doesn't happen then you're then you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't so um because with dr strange what's my biggest critique there's too much of the crossover stuff and there's just there's too much of the fan service stuff and it just it just really bothered me you know that was that's been a, a criticism you know like i said Brittany has talked about we need to get her on the show if she, <laughs> because she has all these great thoughts uh but you know her problem is it's like marvel some marvel movies there is just too much you have too many you know i thought they handled Endgame pretty well with all the the a stories and the b stories and the c story you know everybody doing their thing um but it does get to the point where it's like you know what what is the story we're trying to tell here and do we need this supporting cast? Um, so, Dave, you mentioned, you know, it's funny um, because we've talked on the podcast a lot about having to do the summer reading for different Star Wars things. And your point was that <laughs> Doctor Strange was one of those where it's like you needed to do some homework. If you were to recommend people to the I've never seen a Marvel movie. Should I go see Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness? no no that's not your jumping off point um and you know i am a passive fan at you know i'm i've never seen the x-men but at least i know that patrick stewart was in that movie um i know of the fantastic four you know so at least i have some of these like okay i'm not totally lost but if you didn't see what if if you didn't see wandavision if you it, it you would be totally gone i think i think you'd be totally gone and be wondering what the heck's going on and actually i will i'll be honest here i fell asleep through part of this movie it was not the most it was not the maybe it was because of that or maybe i had a long day but it, or I just it didn't it didn't keep me on the edge of my seat to the point where I wasn't gonna fall asleep. So this is a good example of uh, a female character being done wrong as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about that. Um, I you know Wanda, they're just turning her into a cardboard cutout villain here, mm-hmm. um, which. Given her progression in WandaVision, makes some sense. You can sort of understand why they went that direction. But it's like, you still did it. You still nerfed her into this evil being. And I will say... You probably have a little bit more empathy for Thanos than you do Wanda. Yeah, I... Like the mental gymnastics <clears throat> that go through her mind here is like multiple times during the course of I think this movie they 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 tell her it's like those aren't your kids. What about the other Wanda? You know, like the other Wanda would care about those kids too, right? They're in good hands or whatever. And it's like so, like it's selfish. It's it's just it's just a selfish thing. It's entirely selfish. And and so how do you, again, that's part of the human condition. Uh, that's fine. 
but it doesn't make her very relatable. And when previously she was, you know, and, one of our heroes and kind one of, of our be, favorites. And before I toss it to Fredo, kind of incongruent with the way we left her in WandaVision. And I think that's kind of the big thing that kind of made me question when I watched this movie was like, because come to find out later, no, Sam Raimi and his co-writers did not see one division. So they were aware of where that show had ended. But then, the, you know, it's one thing to be told. It's one thing to read the blurb. This is what happened. It's another thing to see it because seeing it would have allowed them to understand the emotional impact of that finale of one division and where the character had ended. So that, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have gone the way they did. I'm not necessarily saying you wouldn't have had her as the villain because one division sets up the idea that she's searching for her children. But I think particularly as somebody, one division, this is the problem. When Marvel makes us do the homework, one division gives us, gave us such a complex, full image of the character of Wanda um, Maximoff that all we see from her, we've seen from her since basically Infinity War is her going through grief, actually since her introduction in Age of Ultron, is grief, trauma, pain, recovery. She's stuck in this cycle where she is always put behind the eight ball of pain and she's having to shoulder all this responsibility. I mean, she puts herself as responsible for what happens in Nigerian civil war. She makes herself responsible for not uh, helping Vision, you know, being able to rest, save Vision at the end of Infinity War. So she's taking on all this weight and she's carrying all this guilt and none of that gets, you know, the, you know the, outside of the opening five minutes with her character, she just basically becomes a mustache twirling villain. She becomes the least interesting version of herself, even though it's the most powerful Scarlet Witch version that we've ever seen, because the movie basically says, you know that complex character you've seen through multiple movies and a TV show? Yeah, we're not going to be talking about that in any way, shape, or form. She's going to be the bad guy sending all the monsters after her heroes. And I'm like, that, that, that did her such a great disservice. I have problems with a lot of the decision making that goes into this. And again, um, why do you set up Mordo so wonderfully in the first movie as as Strange's foil, and then not go there? Um, mm. And in the in the sequel, and this is, we there's there's a finite level. Of uh, a number of these movies that people are willing to consume, so there's no guarantee that we're going to get a Doctor Strange three. So it's like, why shelve Mordo in this instance? And you know that that decision is troubling to me. It's he could he could have filled that role. He could have been like excellent as the antagonist, say uh, as of you know a character who after Endgame and the blip and everything that's happened decides that he's going to travel the multiverse to find a way to undo everything that they've done that would have put him in direct conflict or destroy magic. You know, there's ways to write that character to make it fit within what the MCU has put before, but that doesn't make it feel either one-dimensional or one-note, because, again, Mortal's character, as you know, is someone that hates the way that magic's used, and he could have looped all the super-powered heroes and said, yeah, all you guys, you may have brought humanity back, but you're also causing some of this destruction and you know well it would have been far more interesting so let me ask you guys this is um um are marvel movies kind of becoming like whose line is it anyway where you know the points are made up and they don't matter it's like 
was Captain America Civil War actually a Captain America movie? Was mm. Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, was it actually a Doctor Strange movie? You know, are we getting a little bit of sometimes bait and switch because of all these things that we're adding in? Um, it, I think it would have been far more appropriate to call this the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah. It was it was story was much more about her, um, cardboard as she was. Um, like Strange was just like I'm gonna protect this girl, right? Um, and well, that was one I was again confused because not being a Marvel comic book, I was confused from the get go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's like who who is this and what are we doing summer here? Reading. Uh, is that right, summer mm-hmm. reading. And also, I missed the point where Wong became the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, In the five years, he didn't get blipped out, so... Well, that's what (laughs) I've been explained since, but it was, that was kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, Although, I was going to say, you know, you make a good point, Aaron, regarding calling this a Scarlet Witch, because you could have had an interesting movie where it's Wanda protecting America from the Scarlet Witch. And how would she have taken on that role, taken on that mantle of surrogate mother to a daughter who's running through the multiverse after she lost her mothers from a version of herself that's looking to use her powers to regain her family. Again, much in the same way as a lot of this, you know, we still have all the beats and all the elements, but it would have been interesting if it had been Wanda and America fighting the Scarlet Witch and not Doctor Strange. Because you're right, uh, Dave's right. I mean... Steven's along for the ride, which is not really what you want in his second solo movie. If he's going to be one of the central characters in the the next phases of the MCU, you want him to be a bit more proactive about what's going on. Unfortunately, this wasn't the case here. And again, I, I you try to manage your expectations. It's like, well, you know, it's they're they're going to do what they're going to do. I can't get married to any particular idea going in. Um, and we knew that Wanda was in this, so the reveal that she would be the villain, uh, you know, 15 minutes in, you know, wasn't that big of a shock to, to people who have been watching. Um, mm-hmm. But it just, you know, uh, they've done better. They've done so much better. And I've, I've come to the point with, with these movies now and in the television shows where I'm oversaturated. Um, and I'm beginning to wonder, it's like, do, do, do I even want to invest anymore? And I think that that's part of, because you're hearing a lot of people complaining about this current phase and not necessarily connecting with it. I mean, because we've had now, what, four or five TV shows. We've had five or so different movies. So it makes sense that people are like looking for, they're looking for the connecting thread that's going to make it all kind of fit. Uh, but at the same time, this is a lot like phase one where every story was singular and about that character and about their journey. And it's not till I get to Avengers that it all connected. I will I will say that in, in getting to the summer reading part of things, because this was something that hit me earlier today. I've never forget the first Marvel movie that I tried to watch. It was on TV. The Avengers was on TV and I I was lost. And so I just turned the channel and I realized you had to watch at least an Iron Man movie to understand Tony Stark and to understand Iron Man. You had to watch at least a 
you know, the Captain America to get it because then Avengers doesn't make sense. And that was the first time we really had, you know, people piling, you know, we had everybody in that, you know, in a, in a movie. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wonder if they've now, like we said earlier, if we're just cramming too many people in and, um, I don't know. Um, it's, it's an interesting question and debate because, you know, when phase one happened, all we got were the two Iron Man movies, a Thor movie and a Captain America movie. And that was all the setup. So it was, uh, four movies to get us to the big Avengers. Oh my God. And that was when we finally see Thanos and you didn't even know Thanos was going to be a thing. Uh, but in a decade since the it's expanded and expanded and expanded and now we got TV shows and now we got video games and we have all this other media that connects to it. It can be overwhelming and I think that's going to be part of the interesting magic trick that Kevin Feige and his director is going to have to make. At some point you're going to have to recognize that you're making movies that people are not, not everybody's going to consume everything. This, this is going to be a lot similar to how Marvel Comics are where Marvel Comics produces something like 150 books a month. Nobody's reading 150 books a month. I don't care if they're 20 pages, 10 pages. So some people will just pick their Spider-Man comic books. Some people will just pick the X-Men comic books. Some people will pick maybe a Captain America and an Iron Man this month. They might pick a Thor next month. And, you know, they'll wait. They'll they'll read up so that whenever you have the big crossover event, which is what the Avengers is, they're ready for that. But people, by and large, just stick to the characters that they like and they leave the rest behind and if they're counting on every one of these movies to just be making billions of dollars and everybody be raving about them they may be getting to a point where that's not just not going to be realistic because yeah i mean i cannot imagine like dave being a dad and going like okay let me pile myself and the partner and the kids and let's all go to the movie theater and rack up 60 dollars bill just to go see the latest marvel product i like what Fredo was just hinting at, which is like, you know, the consumer's going to eventually have a little more choice in these matters. And the the studios are going to have to adjust to that because not everybody's going to go see everything. Um, that There's just too much saturation at this point. Um, and I, I got bad news for folks who are who are getting like superheroed out. Look at the DC slate of movies that's about to about to land over the course of the next year. So, um, I I like that in concept. I'm just not sure how reliable we, uh, a a methodology that can be for the consumer yet. Because like if you had if you had told me Doctor Strange movie, okay, I'm in. Uh, Mordo's in it. Okay, I'm in. Uh, Scarlet Witch is in. Okay, I'm in. It's directed by Sam Raimi. Okay, I'm in. Um, I that that looks like a uh, you know hundred percent winner, and and it, it most definitely was not. Um, so um, I guess we're gonna get, still have to continue to rely on word of mouth and 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 critics for for, for the time being. Yeah. Well. Let us know what you guys think of uh, Doctor Strange and uh, and Thor: Love and Thunder. You can agree with us, disagree with us, all you like, whatever you want to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll wrap things up for this evening. And uh, as always, we will say who dat, who dat, and uh, everybody have a fantastic.
Macanque.